Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. How could you not be fired up by those lyrics? Ain't nobody going to break my stride. Ain't nobody going to slow me down. Love that song. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I hope it was fun. I hope it was productive. I hope it was everything it was supposed to be. Uh, we had amazing shows last week. Everything you could want in a program. Great dialogue. Amazing guests. Unbelievable rhythm and flow. I love it. I love it. I love it, baby. And we're back. It's another week on the Rory Sauter Show. Episode 236. I mean, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Where does time go? It's unreal. It really is. I, you know, I'm beyond blessed, and it's a huge honor, and uh, I cherish these moments so much. And, uh, you know, just I, I can't even put into words, guys. Um, you know, everybody is a, is a strong asset to this show. They, they contribute strongly. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, the chemistry, and I know I say this often, but the chemistry is, is quite something. I mean, you don't, you, don't, you don't mesh like this with just everybody. Um, you know, it's, um, it's beautiful. Truly is. A lot going on. Uh, it's been quite the headlines uh, this weekend. Uh, a lot, a lot to get into, a lot to um, discuss. Uh, I do have some announcements coming, so stay tuned for that. Uh, I want to thank all my audience, my co-hosts, my sponsors and guests. Uh, the show is, keeps growing, keeps getting bigger and bigger. We're listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or any 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, thenextnexgenusa.com. Okay. Um, and just, just to announce to everybody in case they're not um, aware or, or up to date, I know I've uh, you know, mention this to many people, but for those that, like I said, don't know, uh, the new show schedule as of now, uh, we will be on the air Tuesday and Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern to 11 p.m. Eastern, and then also every Saturday uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern. So um, everybody knows Tuesday and Thursday is my online radio show, and then Saturday is when I'm on AM radio. So um, mark your calendars, everybody. I uh, just wanted to set the record straight on that. Okay, uh, I want to introduce to the show, I believe he's with us, we have a very popular guy doing a lot of big things right now, Todd McKinley. Uh, how are you, buddy? Welcome back. Hey, Roy, I appreciate you having me back on the show. Hey, great show this weekend on KFNX on, on the uh, Saturday show on AM radio. It's great, great stuff, my friend. I appreciate it, man, and you always bring great value and great insight to the show, so once again, I'm glad you could join us tonight. Absolutely. Did you did you see by chance? And I'm sure your listeners have, have already seen this. Uh, with Don Lemon ma- making fun of some of the the Trump supporters, uh, just just yeah, with the anti-Trumper. What's his name? Rick. Absolutely. What? Rick, Rick. Yeah, Rick. Rick. What's Rick. His, loser. What? I can't remember. I can't, I can't remember his last name. He used to be a Republican strategist or something like that. Um, I, I, I believe. Yeah. But you think about this, though. Uh, Don Lemon believed that the, a Malaysian airliner, if you remember the, whenever that thing went missing, that it went, got lost in a black hole. I mean, here, here's a guy making fun of Trump supporters, and he thinks an airline, airliner was swallowed by a black hole. But, you know, it's weird that he won the Edward, Edward R. Murrow Award, if you remember that. But, you know, I, I don't hold that award action in high esteem these days because you think about Keith Olbermann won it and Brian Williams. So to me, that's not really a, a sign of great journalism there. 
but anyway, I appreciate you having me back on the show. And uh, I want to say a shout-out to Dean Rotary and Kevin Gordon, who's on the show, and Jim Price. Uh, we know a lot of the same people, which is kind of funny. And, of course, my good friend Brandon Martin, uh, running for Congress there in Arizona, a great guy. Uh, had me down in Arizona for a border tour uh, back in the summer. So, you know, look forward to seeing what his race uh, holds for us. Absolutely, Todd. Well, thank you so much, man, and uh, it's going to be a fun show. Absolutely. Uh, let's also welcome to the program, I believe he's with us, we have retired police chief and homicide detective Michael Valsi. Michael, how are you? Welcome back. Hi, Rory. Thanks for having me again tonight. Looking forward to a great show. Plenty of things to talk about tonight. Uh, never a dull moment anymore. So it's just starting to get exciting, I think. So looking forward to what a everybody has to say tonight. Absolutely, sir. Well, you always bring great value and insight and always love your talking points. So thank you for joining us. I also would like to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us, we have the host of the Jim Price Show. Jim, how are you? Glad you could join us. Doing good, sir. Glad to join you tonight. Hello, Patriots. Hello, America. We've got to remember, we got to have to stand together to make it a win this fall. We cannot sit on our laurels because if we do, we let the Democrats win. So true. So true, Jim. Well, uh, glad you could join us. Uh, we all, all always yes, love sir. having you on. So. A uh, lot, lot to get into, though, guys. And as, as usual, everybody, um, I'm going to go over some of the small headlines uh, first, uh, and then I'll get into the big stuff. But, you know, anybody who has any thoughts, like we do always, uh, once I get to you, share any talking points or any opinions of, of anything I went over. Um, but, yeah, we, we, all, we always get great insight from everybody on the panel. I'll tell you that. Okay. Um, so what I want to start with, and this kind of, you know, it really, um, it hit me hard over the weekend. And I'm not somebody to really talk about sports on this show. Uh, it's not something I do very often. I'd, I'd like to do more of it maybe in the future. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, obviously the, the main idea and dialogue of this show is politics. But I just kind of want to, you know, go out of the, the main zone for a second of what we're usually um, of what, what we usually, um, go, you know, uh, discuss, but this whole sports, you know, with Kobe, um, Kobe Bryant, for anybody that doesn't know, well, everybody knows. I mean, even if you don't know basketball or sports, you knew Kobe Bryant passed away over the weekend. Very unfortunate circumstance. Um, I, I was shocked. I mean, you, you know, this, anybody who grew up watching sports, anybody who I, you know, was a, was, a, was a huge basketball fan, was, you know, heavily focused or, or uh, had their attention on the NBA, knows, knows how, how badly this stings and how much it, it, it's going to change uh, the game as we know it. And it's just going to change culture. Uh, this guy was incredible, not only on the court. We, I mean, we know his skills on the court, but off the court. Um, you know, he was a devoted Catholic you know, was getting very heavily involved in his faith, was a very uh, uh, unbelievable family man, had four daughters, and, uh, you know, his wife and him were married, I think, 20 years, long time. And, you know, I, I just see ever since he went into retirement, and even before that, just what he's done for charity, just, just what he's done for humanity, all the people's lives he's impacted, the dedication, the hard work, the, the, the mindset of this guy. I mean, I've never seen, I mean, this, him dying is like Michael Jackson dying. 
you have so many people in pain, not sleeping, you know, and think about the way he died. I mean, out of the ordinary, totally out of left field, he goes to church in the morning with his daughter. They're getting ready to, he coaches, by the way, how, how amazing is this? One of the best basketball players to ever live, you know, great humility in his retirement life, coaches his young daughter's team. So, you know, they go to church, they get on the helicopter, which he was known to trans- use as transportation many, many times. Um, in terms of the safety of this uh, machine, it was overly, overly safe. Uh, it was once owned by the state of Illinois, um, and uh, this was like high-end, high-luxury helicopter. Apparently, it was designed and like a limousine. It had some of the – in terms of helicopters, it was the most uh, sufficient and, and most uh, durable helicopter out there in, in the game. So that, that right there, you know, you know we see how I, – I, you know, just, just how unexpected everything is. You know, I, I, I couldn't believe – I turned on the TV – and, and, I, and, I, and I started reading the news, and I'm like, this can't be. Kobe Bryant gets in a helicopter crash. And I'm thinking, this, this, this can't be true. And then more and more people start coming out and reporting the news. And it, and it just keeps growing and growing through the entire day on Sunday. And um, obviously there were weather conditions. Uh, this pilot uh, who went, took Kobe in, there were like nine people on board. They were going to his daughter's basketball game um, with some of her teammates. Uh, there was another, more parents on board, a college baseball coach who had a daughter who played on Kobe's team. And I, I just, it's so precious. It, it, I just, I started, I literally, I literally started tearing up. Like I couldn't handle um, these facts. And it, and it like, just like the, it, it, you almost don't, you almost don't want to accept it. You know, I, we watched growing up in my household, big sports fans. We used to watch Kobe religiously. Uh, he, he made basketball fun. He was like Michael Jordan. You know, every single night you were going to get a show when, he, when, when you would watch him play. You would go see him. You know, uh, I was very fortunate as a kid. My dad was very, my dad was very successful uh, before he passed away. He made a lot of money in real estate. Uh, we used to go to courtside season tickets on, on the floor uh, for Seattle Sonics when, when they were a team. And I, I did that for probably five or six years of my childhood. And like just the experience and just seeing how this guy would take the game over, Kobe. I mean, this guy, when he would come to Seattle, uh, there was never a boring moment. I mean, this guy's mentality, his work ethic, his passion, his drive, there's nothing like it. And so many people wanted to be like him. So many people went to the NBA and, and wanted to become great because of his influence, because of how phenomenal of a role model he was. And, uh, you know, you know, we look at, we look at how he died. We look at how he had his entire life ahead of him in retirement. There were a lot of things on his agenda. He was a great businessman. Uh, I just read that he had 2 billion with a B in assets with, you know, just various entrepreneurial entities that, he uh, heavily invested in, and uh, just things, I mean, philanthropy, things that he was going to do for the NBA, I mean, help these young guys, mentor them, put, put them on the right track. I mean, he found peace and faith like, I, I, like I've never seen. I mean, I, I think people remember the first couple years of his career 
He was kind of a, a little bit of a head case. He was arrogant. He was kind of, you know, um, in, in his own in his own world. Uh, but I'll tell you what, watching him for 20 years and my ch- my childhood was special because of people like Kobe Bryant. I mean, what he did for the game, how he made it. He made the game what it is, just like Michael Jordan made the game. Kobe Bryant, uh, for his era, was probably the biggest athlete in the entire world, just like Michael Jordan was. There's no denying that. And, I, and I'm, looking at, I'm looking at all of the, the people that are trying to say, you know, I, I, I get how some people want to stay in my party. You know, oh, he was just an athlete. And other people, even people at Democrats are saying, oh, he's just an athlete. You know, people die every single day doing a lot more braver things. And to me, that's just the rudest, most insensitive statement you could ever make. Because if you really paid attention and you knew what this man was accomplishing, accomplishing and, and what he was giving back and how he was just, just changing others, you, you wouldn't call him just another athlete or just another schmuck on the street. You know, this, this is, yeah, I, I'm, I'm heartbroken. I mean, I am. And his little daughter who had her whole life ahead of her, all these dreams and aspirations. And I, it bothers me that even though law enforcement, even though all these people were ordered to stand down, don't fly today, Kobe's pilot did it anyway. Because he had some sort of special license or something. I don't know all the details, but, I mean, come on. Come on. You know, this, is just, this reminds me of when uh, JFK Jr. was told not to go out, and he did it anyway. Remember? And then he crashed in the Martha's Vineyard Ocean with his wife, and I believe it was somebody else, one of their family members. I, I don't know exactly who, but, but yeah. Um, and this, <laughs> this I, I would love uh, to see the full investigation because something's just not right here. I mean, he did this, and if you have a special license and you, you're known to fly in these conditions without a problem, what happened? What happened? I mean, th- this is what these people are trained for, right? It's just all so sudden. And don't forget, the, the day before, LeBron broke Kobe's scoring title. Life is precious. Enjoy every moment. Nobody ever thought one of the greatest players to ever live would be dead at 41. I'm sorry. They didn't. They did not. You know, uh, it's crazy, though. It really is crazy stuff. Okay, uh, I want to uh, – let's go, let's go to this real quick. So, uh, and we talked about this on the show many times. Uh, there are now between – 500,000 and a million non-citizens are, you know, pretty much guaranteed getting the ability to vote in New York. You know, we've been over several times on this show, illegal aliens voting in our elections, them usually doing it, um, you know, I mean, it happens all the time. Dead people voting, um, you know, voter fraud. And there needs to be some sort of legislation. There needs to be something put into place that can, that, that, that can monitor and, 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 you know, make this make this a legal matter. Make this something that uh, is, is a first priority, especially with 2020 coming up. We can't take any chances. You know, these these Democrats they count on they count on these fraudulent ballots. They count on these these um, these um, very secretive and and corrupt situations. You know, look at look at the dead voters voting. I mean, look at the reports on that. Look at look at them trying to get young kids to vote for them. Look at them with the non-citizens. I mean, it goes on and on. And I'm not going to take too much time into this topic because we've talked about it so many times. But I wish Trump would put something on the table. I wish he would really look into this before it's too late. 
because uh, we're really dealing with a crisis on our hands. We need to protect our Constitution. We need to protect Western civilization. We need to protect our democracy. We need to protect our Constitution and our republic. I mean, come on. This is not uh, part of our, our values and, and what our um, morals are in this country. We, you know, we need to have honest elections with, with proper integrity. We do. We do. You know, uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful being an American, and there's a reason why uh, if you disobey the law and don't follow our traditions, you get your rights taken away. And there, there should be nothing that justifies that. You know, you break the law, you shouldn't be able to vote. And all these Democrats want these felons to vote and these people in jail, people like the Boston bomber. Give me a break. Um, okay, here we go. I, I, also, um, this is interesting, and this, this keeps happening. Uh, Fox News, and we see them going downhill ever since the Murdoch boys, the, the sons have taken over, and different people in their pockets, different people uh, influencing them behind closed doors. I mean, it keeps, keeps happening. It's an epidemic what Fox News is transforming into, but uh, they're, they're not pro-Trump anymore in a lot of ways. I mean, certain ways they are, but it's diminishing. It, it's, it's becoming more of a leftist um, cesspool on certain, in, on certain, you know, during certain hours uh, on, that, on that network. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what needs to happen. Uh, you know, think about this. Fox News is pretty much our only source right now uh, for legitimate, authentic uh, conservative news. And once that goes away, what, what's our option? OAN? OAN isn't even on every channel or in every state, so that's a problem. Um, you know, like I said, 97% of the media is controlled. We only get that 3%. That's honest. And Fox News is a big part of that 3%. And anyway, the reason I'm saying this is because they keep showing different examples, and, and, and there's various situations that keep coming up that are anti-Trump, where they're favoring the left, where they're maliciously doing stuff on TV. For instance, they cut away from the president's impeachment defense the other day. So when the attorneys for President Trump were giving their defense, Fox News cut the cord. They're turning into a George, little Georgie Stephanopoulos of the world. Think about what he did the other day. He cut the cord when Trump's lawyers were trying to make their case. This is why nobody trusts the mainstream media. This is why people are brainwashed. This is why uh, our country is so fucked up. Excuse my language. But we have people in our, in our system that fabricate every single story. They only write stories or show stories that match their money agenda. They, the people that donate to them, the people that are higher up, have them like a fiddle. They have, they're playing them. They're telling them what to do. These people at CNN, all these channels are puppets. They're puppets. They are puppets. And you know what? You know what? We are forced to have this crap shoved down our throats. We are. Whether it's true or not, you know, and, you know, somebody made a really good point the other day to me. It's not even about the truth anymore. It's about being first. Who's ever first? Because we see a lot of stories redacted lately. So, and things that are, I mean, retract, retracted, my bad, retracted. So, God, if Fox News turns into a, you know, a thing like CNN or MSNBC, we're in trouble. And there are already signs of it. Think about it. Napolitano, Chris Wallace, Neil Cavuto, um, Juan Williams. They just keep adding to their lineup of, of radicals. Okay, uh, let's see here. So Al Gore, you know, Al Gore is at it again. Uh, this guy's a joke. This guy's a phony. This guy is, 
I don't know if there's a bigger con man on earth. I mean, I, you know what? I wish I would have came up with this global warming scandal before Al Gore did. He came up with perhaps the greatest um, scam in modern history. I, think about it. Think about how much money he's capitalized on. Think about how much money all these celebrities have capitalized on. Think about all these people that fly on their private jets, drink, drink their Starbucks, play on their iPhones, you know, drive their Escalades, their gas guzzling Escalades, use more electricity than, than pretty much all of the population. Al Gore's house, I think, uses like 30 times the electricity than a standard household, and he's here trying to give us lectures about how we need to save the environment. This guy's on his jet every single day. This guy, uh, you know, uses all the worst cars, gas guzzlers. Um, these people want to bitch about capitalism all while using an iPhone and drinking their Starbucks. You know, I can't think of anything more of a, of a hypocrisy show than this. Uh, you know, and, you know, they, 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 use, they use these talks. It's all about money. If the environment was really coming to an end, if it was really like they say it is, don't forget, Al Gore said 10 years ago, the world's going to end. You've got to sell all your oceanfront property. Get out. Really? Really, Al Gore? Because if that were the case, banks would not be loaning. They would not be giving out loans to waterfront property because you realize the liability. The last thing any bank wants to do is, is, is lose money. That's the last thing they want to do. And if there's any sort of hint or warning that anything like that was going to affect the entire earth, banks would stop. Trust me. And in certain areas, like Antarctica, there's more polarized caps than ever. And the world and earth has naturally been changing for millions of years, ever since it came into existence. There's no special label. There's nothing you can do about it. What are you going to do? Throw stuff into the sky? What are you going to do with all the money? We've got to save it. And little Greta Thunberg, who doesn't know a goddamn thing. And you know what? All these people that claim they care about the environment live in the liberal shitholes. Let's start. Every place runs every, – every, pretty much every, every place that has global warming as their top priority, has their city run by a liberal, and there's homelessness everywhere, there's drugs, there's crime. You name it, they have it. And their cities are filthy, and they want to save the environment. <laughs> okay, okay. Nothing you guys say says makes any goddamn sense. And you're really going to try and compare climate change, Al Gore, to 9-11? You're going to compare... A terrorist event where we, the, the worst in our history, where we lost 3,000 people to some petty, money-making, global warming horseshit. Come on. It's all part of your new world order. It's all lies. And people, you know what, and the only, and, and, then, and then people want to tell me, oh, well, what about the scientists that prove it? First of all, the scientists that, that keep speaking out about it, and, and, and trying to say it's real are the people that are getting paid by the government. They're on this special board, and everybody knows what I'm talking about. There's been several reports, but any scientist who's not associated with the government or any of these agendas will show you that it's fake. Enough already. Okay, uh, let's see here. here. Here's something, and this is this is just this is going to keep happening, and I see it happening happening in America um, to an extent. I mean, 
You know, if, you, if, if they really wanted to ban guns here, all you do is leave the good guy defenseless. All you do is create more of an epidemic with crime because all the millions of guns on the street are never going to be taken away. They're always going to be there. And look what happened in Britain, in, in, in London. They took away guns. They, I, I even think they took away knives. And now there's record high knife crimes recorded. They got a record high of knife crimes. This all goes into what we always talk about. Where's the most strictest gun laws in America? Chicago. Who has the highest crime in America? Chicago. Baltimore. All these places run by gun control? Detroit have the highest crime. When you ban something, it makes the situation much worse. It just makes people want to get access to it more, especially the bad guys. But the good guys, we're screwed because we follow laws. We actually do what we're told to do. But it just goes to show, you ban knives, criminals are going to get them, and they're going to hurt innocent people. You ban guns, criminals are still going to get them. They're going to hurt innocent people. Very simple, folks. Very simple. Okay, um, here's something very interesting. Obama is reportedly getting very anxious about Bernie Sanders' rise in the polls. You've got the Democrat hero, Barack Hussein Osama, white mama Obama, really nervous. Um, think about it. Think what the Democratic Party has come to. They've gone so far left. They've, they've gone to this whole extreme level of socialism where this sense of entitlement is everything should be handed to you. You shouldn't work for it. You should have a piece of what everybody else makes, even if you sit your ass on the couch all day. That's the mindset from people like Bernie Sanders. That's what we're dealing with. We, we are dealing with the biggest, greediest mofo, I, I think, you know, in, in political. I mean, think about what, what Bernie wants to do. And I, I hate Obama, and I think Obama's a hypocrite because I think Obama was taking us down that direction too. I think it was just a matter of time. But uh, the fact that he's coming out, really proves how involved these politicians are with the establishment. We all know the Democrats are not going to give the nomination to Bernie because he's an outsider. They're going to take it away from him, just like they did in 2016, just like when they gave it to Hillary Clinton, even though Bernie was way more popular back then. We, we see the pattern here. So, you know, if that's not a sign, guys, then I, I mean, you guys are so divided. Part of your party wants so. Oh, actually, most of your party, 75% of your party wants socialism. 25% is like hell no. So, or actually, I would say I would say more than 25% don't want socialism in your party. And I think you guys are really having a hard time. You guys got candidates that are acting more like the moderates, and then you got people that like Bernie that are just don't care. That are going to wipe away all your student debt. Going to cost trillions of dollars. Going to give you health care for all. 70 trillion dollars. Well, actually, he just said. First, he said $70 trillion. Then the other day on the, on the news, he said, well, I don't know. I don't know how much it's going to cost. We're going to have to see. Well, that, that gives us a lot of hope. That gives everybody a lot of transparency. Wow, this guy. Okay. Uh, let's see. So, you know, Democrats, their obsession, and I talk about this on my show all the time, they're always obsessed with the victim stance. The more victims they can create, the more powerful their base becomes, like the hundred different genders, the the trannies, the um, you know the gays, the, the people of color, anybody 
based off skin color, sexual orientation. That that's that's who they that's who they seek out. And even though transgenders make up what? Like less than two percent of the population, the Democrats are giving their full attention to this in my strong opinion, it's a pointless. It's, but if you really want to be successful uh, in politics, when you're trying to coddle and make your top priority some uh, a group that makes up less than 2% of the population, you're going to have a lot of issues. I, I don't care how much your supporters think they're victims and think that, you know, er, er, you know, that they're owed everything. Uh, when you're – I just think people are I – I think a lot of people, regardless of their political affiliation – are weirded out by it. They don't know how to accept it. It's odd. It's strange. You know, and, and even those people that try to say others are hateful if they don't accept it and are bigots, those people that are trying to give you that advice and tell you that don't even accept it themselves. They're hypocrites. Everybody thinks that crap is weird. I, I don't know somebody that doesn't. It's a totally odd lifestyle, and it wouldn't have been tolerated 10 years ago in the Democratic Party. It wouldn't have. It would have been laughed at. But look at this. I mean, it's just like, Jesus. I mean, when does it end, this epidemic? You know, Joe Biden's trying to say that transgender is the new civil rights. Of, 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 come on. Come on, dude. Seriously. Um, okay. Here, here's something else. So we all know Omar is a sick, deranged individual. She's nasty. She's gross. She's a pig. Um, I mean, whatever word you want to say, go ahead. This woman is, is about as anti-American and unethical and immoral, I think, as anybody we've ever seen in Washington. I, I don't think we've ever seen somebody with such a, a look, you know, just everything. I mean, there, there's no class. There's no character. Uh, this woman wants to cancel, cancel Western civilization. She wants to get rid of all of our traditional and signature values. And she wants to put the Middle East uh, Muslim agenda before our own. This is what Congress on the left has turned into, radicalization. And we all heard about the story where she married her brother, which is, oh, my God, can you imagine if a Republican did that? Can you imagine the outrage? I mean, but since it's a Democrat, I, I really have a hard time believing that anything will come of this. The FBI just said they are investigating it. But haven't we seen the FBI investigate Democrats millions of times in the past and nothing ever happens? Yeah, we have many, many times. The FBI is corrupt in itself. They're not going to give a fair and honest, honest balanced, balanced investigation. You know how many Democrats are going to be on her side and going to try to influence these investigators? I mean, they, they, the reason people like Nancy Pelosi and all these old school Democrats are listening to these people like Omar is because it's the new trend in their party. This is what the majority in their party want now. The AOCs, you know, the, the, these ideologies are scary, and it's wrong for America. It really is. And you know what? I really hope Omar gets held accountable, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm not going to hold my breath. We know she married her brother. It's not a secret. She did it for financial gain and to take advantage of her situation. Think about it. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Okay. This, this happened over the weekend, and, you know, can you imagine if Fox did this? But when they were covering um, – the Kobe Bryant story, an MSNBC anchor called the Los Angeles Lakers the Los Angeles N-word. I'm not, I'm not going to repeat the word, but everybody knows what I, what I meant by that. So they immediately issued an apology. 
you know, it's hard to say whether this woman meant to do it. You know, people, some people are saying that she meant to say she, she didn't know if it was the Knicks or Lakers, so she got tongue-tied or whatever, and she said what, what those two words mixed would be, and we all know how that would sound. But I don't know if I buy that. Um, but imagine if this was Fox News. Imagine if this was the Republican channel saying something like that. All hell would break loose. It would be every headline story on every mainstream media outlet. But since it's a left-wing ragmag channel, I don't think anything's going to come of it. You know, um, and that's sad. I mean, we don't hold all journalists to, to, the, to, to the same standard as, as everyone else. We don't. They, 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 get, they get these passes. They really do. It's sick, sick, sick stuff. Okay, and for the main thing tonight. So we're still in this whole impeachment nonsense, this sham, this joke. And we all know why they're impeaching him. They can't beat him. They're threatened by him. He's exposing the swamp. He's exposing their special interests. He's giving power back to we the people. For the longest time, Washington doesn't, hasn't known what that has meant. They don't know what that, that has meant. They, they've done everything for themselves. And, uh, you know, they've, Trump is restoring our traditional and signature values. He's putting back our morals. He's saving Western civilization. He's doing everything how, Ameri- how it should be done. Um, not owned, not controlled, and that drives them crazy. For the first time, we have a president who doesn't cave to either side. He, doesn't, he's, he does what he wants. He's not told what to do. And you know what? He has the strongest backbone and, and balls of steel. God bless him. And you know what? You've got to love the Twitter account because with all the fake media going around, with all the bullshit going around, he gives us transparency. He gives us the facts. He gives us what's really going on. And that is such a strong and useful and beneficial tool uh, for today's society. You know, what, look, at, look, at how, look at how evolved our tech world is. You know, I think most presidents would have used this tool in the past, especially Reagan, had, had it been around. And, um, you know, imagine – now we see. We see how powerful social media has become. Because back when Bush was president, even Obama's earlier days, there were only a few channels where you'd go get your news from. There wasn't all these outlets online. There wasn't all these social media networks for the most part. So, I mean, it's really the way everything has evolved. It's crazy. It's crazy. And you have – I think that's a strong reason why so much fake stuff gets out there these days. So many people have so many different loopholes and routes where they can put out false information and jeopardize and try to sabotage an innocent person. This is what we've come to. This is what we've come to. Um, it's, it's heavily, heavily hostile out there. Um, but the whole – and this, this goes into what I'm saying. You know, New York Times – and I don't know how they got this information. This was way – so random, supposedly. The book – to my understanding, the book's not even out yet. But they're saying that John Bolton wrote a book, and, and how would they know? I mean, John Bolton, I don't trust him at this point. I think John, and same with uh, Kelly. You know, Kelly and Bolton, um, they both came out recently and said that they believe Trump did wrongdoing with Ukraine. And um, Bolton went to the New York Times, said that the Zelensky call, whatever he said, in so many words, it was problematic. Trump did want to interfere. Trump did want them to investigate Biden before he gave aid. Just total lies. And, and this is bitterness from somebody that got 
removed from the administration for being a warmonger. We all know Bolton, if he could bomb every single country, he would. He wants to take over the world. I'm not saying he hasn't done good things in his life or he's had some decent accomplishments, but lately and for what we're trying to do as a country, it's just not the time. Trump is not a war president. Trump wants peace, and Bolton is a polar opposite from from that picture right there. Um, So, you know, the House Democrats, they're off the wall. I mean, these House Democrats, you know, and like I said earlier, you know, the pre- President Trump's lawyers have given valid, have given valid reasoning, have gi- given great statements, have basically cleared him, cleared him of any wrongdoing, if you just listen. But you've got these mainstream media outlets who keep cutting the cord when the important parts come up. Like I said, what Stephanopoulos did the other day on uh, Good Morning America, like, I, like Fox News did. So if the media was, I mean, think about it. If the media was on our side, how much more successful this country could be? Trump would have an 80% approval rating. He would. He would. I'm seeing everything. Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Nadler, all these secret meetings, playing by their own rules, not letting certain witnesses testify that could have already cleared the president, doing everything on their own, on their own. Not, not abiding by what the rule of law stands for. It's a partisan bullshit witch hunt hit job on the president. It's nothing else. And they're trying to steal the 2020 election. And he, Trump's White House lawyers are exactly correct. They're trying to steal it from us. They are. They, they want, they can't get over 2016. They're bitter. They're hateful. And, you know, they think they can win in 2020. I, I just don't see it. I mean, I, I, I really have, have seen how many people have left that party and how many people have ran on the Trump train. Most, a lot of moderates. And even though the moderates don't agree with everything Trump does, it's a hell of a lot better than socialism. I mean, the, 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 the impeachment is nonsense. They want to impeach him every day for something new. Russian collusion didn't work. You know, uh, racism didn't work. Ukraine's not working. Now they want to impeach him for stuff he says on his Twitter. <laughs> this, is the, this is where we've gone. This is what we've reached. This is the all-time low. For stuff he says on his Twitter, they want to get rid of him. Wow. And Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. Think about everything this guy's getting away with. It was just reported that he agrees to pay child support, an undisclosed amount. Really, why is the amount undisclosed? Most times, or pretty much all the time, when you agree to pay child support in a court of law, it's public record. It's not private in a lot of ways. They usually say the amount. But this time, it's, it's, this is corruption. This is what money and power buys you. Influence over the rule of law, the jurisdiction. It's sick. And look at the deflection. Look at the Democrats saying, oh, no, Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. I mean, these people are animals. There's nothing that is human about the Democratic Party in in today's society. They are out for blood. They are out for vengeance. They are completely oblivious to what's going on. I mean, I don't think they're oblivious totally, but they want to, you know, they pretend to be. And uh, just the real issues are are really at stake here. They really are. And, you know, I'm looking at, like Vinman, I mean, his brother is overseeing, you know, the book of John Bolton. I mean, Vinman gets to see, oversee all these 
high political people that write books and gets to see. And who knows? Maybe he's doctoring them too. How do we know? When you, God damn it, man. We just find out more and more every single day. Every day. And don't forget about all the contracts Joe Biden's brother got, Joe Biden's sister got. There was a new report today. She got, and it never ends. And their hunter was involved with more countries than just Ukraine, China, Kazakhstanian people. Jesus. Let's start with Michael Volsey. Go ahead. Oh, well, you sure covered a lot of topics there. Um, let's start with Kobe. You know, that, that situation is just plain strange to me. You have an expert helicopter pilot that actually trained people in helicopters uh, in, during inclement weather. Uh, the media has just not spoken to any eyewitnesses at all. I read an article about this and said, why, why not? Why, you know, normally they would rush to the scene to want to interview eyewitnesses that saw this. After all, it wasn't the daytime. The one witness said that the engine was sputtering right. My, my, my contention here is that I don't think this weather-related at all. This is some sort of mechanical failure. Now the question is what caused the mechanical failure. But no one's asking any questions. And I'm always suspicious of this. We've had enough incidents in the past where they hesitate to interview witnesses on the ground for some reason. Now, I don't know what any motives would be behind uh, not him being, not being around. I don't know any of that. I'm just saying I, I just find it highly suspicious that no one seems to be talking to anybody that witnessed this crash. But yet we know that the engine was sputtering and the thing was falling from the sky. I can't see how the fog would cause that to happen. It's not like there wasn't another collision in the sky where you could have run into something. So, I mean, that's just something that's a concern me. Uh, you know, Kobe was a sports icon and in, in a sport specifically that doesn't have a lot of uh, idols uh, for children. You know, Kobe was sure one of them, so he's going to be greatly missed. Uh, I think when it I comes to add, that uh, – Michael, I just want to add yeah. real quick to this, to this Kobe situation that I didn't mention in my opening, but there was a lot of controversy – over the weekend that, you know, because TMZ, and I just want to give my quick thoughts on this, only take me about 30 seconds, but TMZ was the first to report on the Kobe uh, death. They were actually reported it before law enforcement could even get to the families, and there was a lot of backlash and criticism from the public towards TMZ and even from the police saying, how dare you do this before we could get to the families, and I, I do have an opinion on this. I strongly believe, I think in any scenario, I think the police should always inform the families first. But, however, when you're a public figure and you have millions of followers and fans around the world and you're one of the most popular people to ever walk the earth, I, I think it's a given that if a news outlet gets their hands on it first, before anyone, they're going to record it because this is something that doesn't happen every day. What are your thoughts? Well, and that's how it happens. You have somebody that's famous. People know, knew he was on that helicopter. He flew that helicopter often, uh, as you mentioned. Um, you know, and they know the helicopter crashed, so now they, you know, they're just assuming that the worst right there. So they, they either run to the media or a media person saw it. But, yeah, my thoughts in law enforcement, 
you absolutely do not release the name of any victims until the next of kin have been notified. And that's a policy of most every law enforcement agency I'm aware of. So I, I don't think that was an intentional thing, but uh, yeah, it's wrong for the media. The media should have looked for confirmation from law enforcement before making the report. Uh, they should not have made the report without getting some confirmation that it was they were authorized to do so. But uh, you know, reporting a helicopter crash is one thing. Reporting a helicopter crash with somebody of that notoriety, that's a horse of another color. So that's my thoughts on that. Anything else, Roy, you wanted to add to that? No, I just wanted to make that point real quick. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to mention on this Im Im illegal immigrants voting. You know, I, I mentioned before on your show, I think eventually we're going to see a national voter ID. I'm hoping it happens before the 2020 election. But I do know that since the 2016 election, there has been some people empowered to investigate voter fraud. We've seen numerous arrests around the country. I think they're looking at this really, really close. Now, I'm not quite as concerned this time around uh, as I was in 2016 about voter fraud. I think a lot of it's been cleaned up, and I think some things are in the works prior to 2020 to assure that um, this issue gets corrected at least to, to some extent. So I, I don't hear a lot of rumblings about it. I, it looks to me, I've seen, I know just in my area alone, we've had a lot of people be arrested for, for uh, voter fraud, uh, messing with ballots and things of that nature, and I'm sure it's happening all over the country. But that's, that's just my thoughts on that. I, I just don't see any reason to be totally alarmed yet, although it is alarming to, for the public to see that on the news. Uh, this climate change thing, it's really getting out of control, especially now we're really seeing it manifest itself with all these Democratic candidates running. But again, I, I mentioned this also, this is straight out of Rules for Radicals. If you read Rules for Radicals, these globalists thought they needed, they needed something to confiscate money from the people whether they were going to use it for redistribution, whether they're going to use it to enrich themselves, or whatever. And they came up with climate change. Well, at that point, it was global warming, right? When that didn't fly, they got rid of the global warming and changed it to climate change. But, you know, you figure this started years ago. We've had years and years of indoctrination in the schools. You have people that actually believe this. I, I, I put a post out on Twitter I don't know, a few days back, and somebody, somebody responded to me and said, do you know that the Earth's core is actually warming? You know, there's people that actually believe this. They've indoctrinated enough people. You know, it's, it's all a hoax. We know it's a hoax. It's a scam. And you can revert back to rules for radicals and see it right in there. You know, if you read that book, I'll tell you, you can see the, the Democrat, the globalist agenda pretty much laid out in black and white. Um, I don't want to spend any more time on that. In regards to Bernie and Obama, you know, really, yeah, you kind of touched on it too. You know, Bernie's a globalist. He's, he's, a, he's a socialist, leaning more communist, I guess. But his views haven't changed in, what, 30 years. They've been the same. The difference is Bernie's not controllable. 
all these other candidates, if they won a re-election, you know, the cabal, the deep state, they'd be able to control them. They'd be puppets. Bernie's not one of those kind of guys, and they can't take that chance. So I think that's where that's coming from right there. Um, and with regards to this Bolton thing, um, you know, you hit it, you went back and hit on it, the fact that Vindman's brother works for the NSC and is in charge of reviewing book manuscripts. You know, this seems to be, it seems to stink to high heaven that this thing fits the same playbook that the Democrats have used time and time again. Michael Avenatti, uh, uh, Stormy Daniels, you name it. It's been one failed bombshell after another. And this looks like another one, and it looks to me like this has been planned. This manuscript was dropped off in December, okay? If what I believe that Vindman's brother had something to do with this, his identical twin brother, by the way, then this was planned for exactly this moment in this Senate in, in the Senate impeachment trial to sway votes for witnesses. And I believe this is going to backfire too, because maybe this has been distorted. What what actually is in that manuscript? We don't know that for sure. But it looks to me, and we'll know, we'll have a pretty good idea if if the president invokes in executive privilege on Bolton's testimony. If he doesn't, then enjoy the show, because I think it's going to get very, very interesting. Because they're not just going to have one witness. The Republicans will get all their witnesses as well. So look forward to hearing from the whistleblower, Hunter Biden, possibly Adam Schiff. I think the list is endless, but I think it's going to expose a lot, a lot of wrongdoing. You know, the best 30 minutes of television I watched was yesterday. Pam Bondi's presentation was just tremendous. I mean, she laid it out in no uncertain terms. Uh, regards to uh, Omar, you know, she's being investigated by multiple agencies, not just the FBI. You know, it's already been documented that uh, she's been a spy for the for Qatar. Uh, she's, you know, there's so many charges against her. I don't think it'd be hard to prove. So you knew the Democrats in the House were never going to investigate her. They wouldn't even censor her. They were afraid to to censor her. So I, I think that'll come to a head eventually. With regards to the president's Twitter feed, you know, that's his means of communicating with the public. And I know people get aggravated with it. They say, well, I wish you wouldn't tweet. I like Trump, but I wish you wouldn't tweet so much. And I said, do you understand that's the only way that he can actually get his message out accurately? Because none of the mainstream media is, is, are reporting it. You know, Fox has just, you know, they've methodically changed. And I'm not sure it all changed because of the Murdoch boys. I mean, it, that's probably most of it. But I think a lot of it changed because of the sponsorships. There was so much pressure, pressure on their sponsors 
there was a little meeting that took place between Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. I'm sure you heard of this, where they were meeting with sponsors and they had to convince the sponsors, look, we're not Trump supporters, you know, in order to keep those sponsors. So a lot of things going on there. And I've mentioned before, I hope this group of Trump supporters buys OAN so they could be more readily available around the country. I pay the $4.99 a month, and it's well worth it. It's the best $4.99 I could spend to be able to watch the actual news and get it reported without distortion. Uh, so I, that's my thoughts on that. But uh, as far as CNN and MSNBC, with those remarks that uh, were made, I, I, you know, I don't even tune into those stations anymore. I read about those kinds of things on other news feeds, but to me, they're just not worth watching. And when you look at the amount of viewers they have, you know, primetime shows are drawing a million people. That's not enough to make a difference anywhere. So I'm not too concerned about that. And with regards to Hunter Biden, yeah, I, you know, probably because of who he is, and I think also because they know there's ongoing investigations. They didn't probably didn't want to make the amount uh, of, of the actual settlement uh, public. But the fact he shows up in a Porsche, I guess, speaks volumes. So I think uh, I think a lot of this, a lot more is going to come out in this impeachment thing. This, I think, when uh, one of Trump's attorneys was talking and spoke about the impeachment hearing being a tribunal. I think there's a lot more meaning to that than meets the eye. So I look forward to the rest of it, and uh, thanks for having me again. Absolutely, Michael. Always a pleasure. Uh, great, great insight. Thank you. Um, let's go to let's go to Todd McKenley. Todd, go ahead. Your thoughts. Hey, hey, Roy. Appreciate you. Yeah, a lot of lot of stuff you unpacked there. Real quick, I'll, I'll hit on the Kobe, uh, you know, death. Uh, the NBA, whenever I was growing up, you, you had Bird and Magic who, you know, really saved the NBA, and I, I think. And then, of course, Jordan basically kept that thing going. And, of course, you know, you had the bad boys of Detroit and all those guys. Uh, the Rockets were, were great for a while. And then, of course, Kobe came in and kind of took over with Shaq and all those guys and really kept the NBA's ratings up and so forth. And, of course, now they – now the ratings, ratings, in my opinion, are probably down. And, of course, I don't think people are really watching it. And, uh, it's, it's really not basketball anymore, in my, in my opinion. But you know what those guys did? Way was just too some, soft. Unbelievable. Way too soft. Yeah. Too many, too many entitled freaks yes. and showboats, and it's just yeah. not what it used right. to be. It's not classic, you know. That's that, that that's true, you know. And, and it's funny as I, saw, I heard somebody joke yesterday, and of course conspiracy theory, just joking. And they said, you know, it was probably LeBron ha- had him taken out because he thought he was going to come back and, and, and score some more points. But you know, obviously somebody was just joking <laughs> there. But yeah, anyway. The, the guys in the NBA now, not not the same as what they were back then. Uh, they really had some battles. Right. But as far as Fox News is concerned, you know, uh, most of the shows, uh, I think, in some respects, are still kind of that fair and balanced, if you will. Uh, you know, they ha- used to have the uh, the conservative, you know, and then, and of course, they'd bring in a left-winger, if you will. They'd have a, a, a Republican and a, and a Democrat on it kind of at the same time, or they would follow one another. Uh, now, now they're pushing a lot more with with, uh, with regards to, to Democrats and, and the liberal agenda, especially like you said. You know, whenever his kids take over Fox News, uh, you see a lot of the, the 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 conservative journalists have been pushed out, and now they're pushing a lot more of the the, the liberal agenda. Uh, you know, I don't mind a, a balance. You know, going back and forth, but you you can't have it one way or another. 
Uh, and, and of course, at the same time, you know, Fox News is watched by a heck of a lot more people than all the other networks combined. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't understand how you'd want to go away from that. You know, that makes no sense as, as a business model. Uh, and, and, you know, previous folk, uh, gentleman there said, talked about voter fraud. You know, I, I suggest we remove anyone, say, who's not voted in an election, be it a local, state, or federal election in 10 years. Uh, the, the, if they're still alive, they can still go back and, and, and uh, reapply for, uh, to, to vote, you know, re-register. But if they've not voted in 10 years in any election, take them off. Uh, remove anyone whose age is so high that there's no possible way for them to still be alive. You know, somebody that's 110 or 115 probably shouldn't be on the voter rolls. Uh, so, you know, take those folks off. Uh, you know, institute some sort of uniform voter ID, whether it's a, a federal ID or some sort of, or at least a reasonable guidelines that use some sort of common sense, if you will. Uh, you know, and of course, make registering as easy as possible without making it easy for illegals, uh, non citizens, and felons who haven't had their voting rights restored. Uh, to register, uh, and I know you talked about Al Gore a minute ago. Of course, you know, being from Tennessee, that's where that's where Al Gore is. Well, not not really from Tennessee. His dad's from Tennessee, uh, but Al Gore grew up in, in good old Washington D.C. In, in a cush posh uh, a hotel with a bunch of other uh, senators and congressmen and their families. Uh, Senator Al Gore Sr. used to send uh, little, little Al to Tennessee to work on a, a farm of a family friend to basically toughen him up. Uh, you know, so little little Al's never had to really live in reality. And of course, you know, he comes back home and gets elected to Congress and then to the Senate, and you know, of course, ran for president a couple of times, and then he becomes vice president, and you know, the rest is history. And of course, if you ever if you ever seen South Park, uh, he pushes the man bear pig, uh, you know, uh, conspiracy theory, just just to show you how ridiculous that that his uh, political theory on global warming or climate change is. Uh, you know, I, it's more plausible to believe man bear pig than, than of course his global warming theories. Uh, but anyway. Uh, another conspiracy theory I, I thought about today with, with somebody, um, what if John Bolton, for example, and, and the president or somebody in the president's uh, circle decided to cook up this uh, idea that Bolton has some sort of thing against the president where he has some sort of key evidence? Uh, but you know, after it's all said and done, Bolton's going to come out and testify that he has nothing, that it was all made up uh, you know, as a Democrat farce, uh, and they knew it. They just simply wouldn't, wouldn't subpoena him to come and testify, and, and that's why they were pushing all, all this false narrative. You know, I, I would love to see something like that actually be, be, be true. I, I don't necessarily think that it is, but it's one of those things that, that kind of popped in my head as I was driving today. I was like, what if that was actually true? Uh, it, it would be just so hilarious because it would blow up in their face. Uh, but you know, getting back to the president, if you look at his uh, rally today, he had nearly 160,000 RSVPs. Uh, you know, so, and of course, I think there was something like 15,000 plus that were st- stayed to watch it from the outside. Uh, easily 10,000 w- made it on the inside, uh, and then of course there was people that camped out for at least two days. You know, you think about the old rock rock shows or you know uh, rock concerts in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s. Right. They would camp out for days. Yeah, camp out for days for tickets. And it's like a Super Bowl, man. Did. I mean, the crowds, you get are like Super Bowl crowds. Absolutely, you know. And, and, and of course, I, I was reading Brad Parscale's tweet, uh, Brad Parscale being the uh, campaign manager. He said 158,632 requested tickets, 92,841 wow. were distinct signups, meaning they hadn't signed up for any other rally. And that's in blue New had. Jersey. New Jersey has gone blue for the longest time. Absolutely. Uh, and he said 73,482 voters identified. 10.4% didn't vote in 2016. That's a big deal right there. 26.3% were Democrats. 
And, you know, I, I was watching some stuff today and, and talking to some folks as, you know, as I was going around the, the my congressional district where, you know, just, 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 just getting an idea how things were going to go for 2020 for me. Uh, and, you know, people had voted for, you know, Democrats their whole lives talking about the, the way the left and, of course, the, the media that they used to watch, CNN, MSNBC, are talking about different different people who live in their communities who voted for Trump, people that are in their families. They're, they're like, they're talking about my family here. And, and, and they pissed them off to such a degree that they're no longer going to vote Democrat. They're going to vote for Trump in the next election. And in fact, uh, I talked to a lady today, and I heard somebody on, on, on television kind of say the same thing, uh, or actually on talk radio, say uh, – you know, they pissed me off to such a degree that, you know, just for spite, I'm going to actually go work for the president's campaign, knock doors for him, and I'm going to actually vote for him j- just to teach these guys a lesson. You know, this isn't the Democrat Party that they grew up with. Uh, you know, so these guys are, are basically cutting off their nose to spite their face in, in a lot of respects. Uh, you know, of course, the president, you know, we always talk about, you know, his tweets, uh, you know, oh, I didn't like this, didn't like that. But again, you know, that's the only way he can really and truly get his message out without it being filtered, without it being edited, or without it being misquoted. Uh, you can go directly to the source, uh, you know, and that, that's his tweets. Uh, and, and at the same time, they get mad that you know he's not held a press conference. But why, why hold a press conference where you're going to sit there and, and, and probably cut him off, or actually not not air it anyway, and maybe only do a soundbite where you, you only uh, show 30 seconds or, or, or you know maybe 40 seconds of the president saying something, whenever you actually have to show the entire uh, a clip and in, in, in context where, where he may have spoke for two or three minutes. But you selectively edit it, you know, and that's kind of what the left does. Uh, you know, they, they'll selectively edit and say, "Well, the president said this." When in reality, if you watch the entire thing, he actually said something completely different. But you know, don't have a press conference because you don't really need the 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 the, the press these days anyway. With, with the way you have social media and all sorts of other outlets anyway. No, absolutely, one one hundred percent. No, I, I I agree. Very, very good insight. Uh, always what very well said. Um, you got any other? No, yeah, no, no. I appreciate it. You know everything that you said there. You hit hit a lot of great points. You know, Uh, it's it's just one of those things. In 2020, we we have to get out there and ensure that we win the win the national popular vote. uh, Just to hedge against any sort of legal battle that that could pop up with 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 some of these states that are talking about giving their electoral votes to the the popular vote winner. How great would it be if Washington State or Oregon or some of these other states like Colorado or, or whoever's uh, uh, going to give their electoral votes to the national popular vote uh, winner that they had to give it to Donald Trump. You know, just 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 to see see them backtrack on that so quickly. You know, it would be just so hilarious to watch how how hypocritical they truly are. No, absolutely, no, one hundred percent, and it really is. I mean, it's the biggest hypocrisy show on earth. When it doesn't when it doesn't have to do with them, then you know, it, it, then they're all for it. But if it has to do with them, then no responsibility. Absolutely, you know, and I, I've talked to people before, you know, and, and you, you find that that they're Democrats, and you you know, you're just trying to win their support or what have you. And this is in, in, in the past, the 2018 election, you know, I, I would I would throw out a quote that was come from Hillary Clinton, and uh, you know, all of a sudden they're like, uh, I'd say, well, Donald Trump said this, and, and the next thing you know, they're like, well, that's just stupid, that's just horrible. And I said, actually, in reality, and I'd show them on my phone, I'd be like, Hillary Clinton said it, and I'd show them the clip where she actually said it. And they'd be like, oh, well, you know, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense, you know, and I'm, you, you just watch them flip flip on a dime, and it's like, you know, you, you're, you're really a hypocrite here. You know, if, if it's a good thing when Hillary says it, it's a good thing if, if Trump said it, you know, so let's not be hypocrites about it. Let's just be honest uh, and be uh, – to borrow a phrase from uh, Fox News, let's be fair and balanced with it and use common sense. I agree. I agree 100 uh, percent. Todd, always a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much, yes, my sir. Thank, thank you, sir.
Uh, everybody, we're going to take a quick commercial, and we're going to be right back with Dean Reuter. Very excited to talk to him. Stay with us, everybody. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street foods. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 25 different countries and nearly 70 online platforms. Everybody, it's a beautiful night. I do want to welcome to the show, we have best-selling author and popular lawyer, Dean Reuter. Dean, how are you? Welcome. I'm good. How are you, Rory? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Very good to have you here. Uh, you've done quite a bit in your life. Very 
very impressive resume. And I know you have a new book out, but your first time on, so tell everybody a little bit about yourself, kind of give a little bio. Sure. I'm a, a lawyer by training. Uh, I've worked in a couple government IG offices, which means investigating fraud, waste, and abuse. So uh, a lot of my training does go to sort of law enforcement and fraud, waste, and abuse. Uh, uh, but I've spent the past 20 years or so uh, at the Federalist Society, which is a um, organization of conservative and libertarian place. lawyers. Yeah, it's a very popular place. Yeah, tell us about that. Well, it's, it's an organization of conservative and libertarian lawyers interested in small government and the rule of law and the role of judges and uh, the role of government versus uh, the people, essentially. It's a bunch of freedom-loving small government folks. I love it. I love it. You, you've been involved with several different uh, industries, so the Federalists and what else? I know you've done quite a bit. Uh, at, I've worked for the Legal Services Corporation back in the Reagan administration before many of your listeners were probably born. Uh, I worked in another uh, inspector general's office, which is the Corporation for National and Community Service, which is basically AmeriCorps and VISTA. Uh, and then I served on the board of directors of that outfit uh, as vice chairman of the board for the federal grant-making agency. Uh, and right now in a part-time capacity – uh, in addition to serving at the uh, the, at, uh, the Federal Society, I'm on the board of the U.S. Commission on Presidential Scholars. Amazing, amazing stuff. So, uh, I'll start with this. Tell us about your time working for Reagan. That's that's pretty impressive. Well, it was it was an interesting time because Ronald Reagan uh, and Ed Meese, when they were both officials in California. Uh, had run-ins with these grant grantees of the Legal Services Corporation, the folks that actually received the federal money and were supposed to provide civil legal services uh, all over the country, including in California. And uh, they had some run-ins with them. So when Reagan was elected president, he tried to zero out the budget of the Legal Services Corporation. He wasn't able to do that. Um, but uh, we instead then tried to impose – uh, some rules and regulations uh, and make them follow the rules and regulations that Congress imposed uh, as they spent the money. There were certain things they were required to do, certain things that they were forbidden to do, and they'd never really been been overseen in the field uh, in any meaningful fashion ever. Uh, so imposing that regime was an ex a very interesting exercise, uh, calling them to task for the first time ever. Unreal. Unreal. And what was your interactions like with Reagan? Probably quite something, right? Oh, so uh, yeah. let me clarify that. I was a young man, a young attorney. So this was the Reagan administration, but I was not interacting with Ronald Reagan. Uh, so um, I was a, a, a young man at the time. And what was, what was, like, explain this. What was, like, the political environment back then compared to now? Because you've, you've obviously lived the D.C. years for quite some time, and you know how it's gone through different phases, you know, whether it's eras or, you know, whoever gets elected or, or whatever the current subject matter is, but we go th it goes through different patterns, I've noticed, these, these last, you know, 10, 20 years, and, and today's society is unbelievable in terms of how, um, how uh, hostile and, and polarized uh, the political system has become. I mean, it's a whole nother level. What, what's your? How do you compare it to what to when you were, you know, in the Reagan days? So, 
I, I, I agree with that generally. I think uh, back in, in the Reagan days, the, the folks who were in government and in the trenches were probably just as dug in uh, as people are today. I think the difference today is uh, the common man, the common person on the street has very strong opinions um, and is dug in. Um, so that's the big difference. And everybody's in, able to engage everyone else uh, in social media uh, by email, uh, you can reach vast audiences, even as an individual. Um, so your views become known, and everybody else's views become known. Uh, the differences seem to be sharper because everybody's spouting off with their own opinion. No, absolutely, absolutely, well, very, very well said. And, you know, I want to ask you. So your time at the Federalist Society, um, obviously a very, a very well-known, reputable. Uh, company and, and and you know entity. Uh, everybody in D.C. knows what it is, uh, knows what it is, and it, it's been in it's all over. It's all over the media. It's a very uh, it's a place that's been going for a long time. So tell us about your your time there and how you were involved. And obviously, I know you had a high high position there. Yeah, and I'm still there. Um, I'm general counsel there and vice president and director of what we call the practice groups, which is the way we organize our membership by substantive legal area. So we've got a lot of lawyers who are interested in telecommunications or civil rights or labor and employment law or environmental law, and we sponsor debates and and, uh, have panel discussions and conferences about these what a lot of people might consider to be esoteric uh, areas of the law or, or particular rules or regulations, and we just examine the way they're working, uh, and we hear from experts, our volunteers, and uh, people with contrary opinions uh, about what how the rules ought to be working. Um, so we're really famous for sponsoring debates, and you know we're the one uh, one of the very very few organizations in the country that will uh, host honest debates um, and we get people from both sides and just sort of let them go at it. And the, and the idea is that uh, the folks with the better ideas will prevail uh, in the debate. So it's fascinating for me because I get to interact with the best uh, legal minds on all sides of these very complicated issues. Well, I love and in it. my spare time, in it. my spare time, Rory, I work on, uh, I work on books, including the hidden Nazi, which uh, just got published. Did I lose you, Rory? Hello? Hey, Dean, are you still there? Uh, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, I heard everything you said. We were just having technical difficulties for about 30 seconds, but now I'm back. No, I heard everything you said. I'm sorry about that. I, it, like, disconnected for, like, one second. But, but you know, I, I, I think I misheard, like, the last 20 seconds. If you could please repeat. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I was just what it, the way I was finishing there was describing what I was doing at at uh, the Federalist Society and saying that in my spare time I've yeah. published a couple law and policy books uh, and just most recently published a nonfiction book uh, called The Hidden Nazi, which is uh, the true story of a Nazi general who had unbelievably uh, huge powers, was an unbelievably bad guy, and nobody's ever written about him before until we published the book The Hidden Nazi. Right, and I know also you've done stuff with C-SPAN. Tell us about that. I know you've done some law stuff and legal stuff for them. 
Yeah, a lot of the things uh, that we do through the Federalist Society gets uh, picked up by C-SPAN. Uh, I've been on C-SPAN before, of course, with uh, previous books. I wrote a book about the administrative state and its size and complexity uh, and whether really it was what the founders had in mind. Uh, I, I was involved in a book project uh, called Confronting Terror, which was about the law and policy issues around the war on terror. Um, so I think I was on C-SPAN with with all of those, and a lot of the a lot of the discussions that I help organize through the Federalist Society end up being aired on C-SPAN. So if you go on C-SPAN and Google my name or, or search my name or search uh, the Federalist Society, you'll come up with a whole bank of videos uh, from the Federalist Society. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I, I'm glad you brought up Confronting Terror, your book, because I was going to ask you about that next. So really tell people about that. I, I know it kind of gets into some stuff about 9-11, but it kind of paints a perspective about just terror in general for the most part. It does, and it it really comes at it from the perspective of lawyers. It's an anthology, so I've got some of the uh, most incredible legal minds uh, writing chapters in that book. Michael Mukasey, who was the attorney general, uh, Mike Chertoff, who was uh, um, the uh, first uh, director of the Department of uh, Homeland Security, Ed Meese, the former attorney general, all of these folks and many, many more writing chapters about some of the complicated legal issues that even 10 years after 9-11 uh, were still vexing the country and some things that needed to be worked out. Everything uh, from uh, enhanced interrogation uh, to executive power, uh, authorization for the use of military force, and on and on. We looked at all those issues. Yeah, and so let me ask you this. So I, you've been heavily involved with, with, with you know, law and the legal system for many years. And, you know, we, I think in a lot of ways we never got unanswered questions about 9-11. You know, what are your thoughts on, on some of the things that have come out and, you know, just kind of the cover-ups and n not total transparency from, from the investigators? And I, I just think there's a lot that we're missing. What, what are your thoughts? Well, the, the, we really didn't get into that, so I don't have strong opinions on that. Um, the, the the book where I, actually we talk about a government cover-up is is the most recent book, The Hidden Nazi, um, where it's very clear to me that uh, this character from World War II, uh, nobody's written about him because conventional history tells us that at the end of the war he committed suicide. But our book proves that he didn't commit suicide at the end of the war. He actually surrendered to the U.S. Army. He made a deal with the United States, surrendered to the U.S. Army, faked his suicide, uh, and then the U.S. Army helped cover up his suicide so he could escape justice. Uh, and this was a horrible, horrible man. So that's, that's all in the book, The Hidden Nazi. That's where we talk about um, – I don't want to say government conspiracy because it was uh, – it's more than that. It was an official government action to uh, help shield somebody from, from justice. And do, now let, let me ask you this, because you talk about in this book, The Hidden Nazi, how the, the, the government kind of covered it up. And, you know, and it, you know, there's a lot of speculation. And I'm not somebody that really believes in conspiracy theories, but just mm -hmm. knowing what the government has done in the past and, and knowing what they've covered up and how they've lied to us about certain things, I, I wonder. I mean, do you ever think and, – and I – you know – I'm not saying I believe it or I don't. I mean, I, I think about it and I wonder, and I don't really, I don't know if I necessarily have an opinion, but it definitely 
sometimes crosses my mind, like, what if, like, what if Hitler actually, like, certain conspiracy theorists say he actually got, got away? I mean, like you saying, this guy, he got away and it was covered up. Like, there's certain things that we ne- – do we ever really know? I mean, do, do you think there's a lot of things that are unanswered? I, I, I think so. I mean, anytime you have a, a very powerful person who supposedly died uh, and, and there's no body, um, it's right. going to raise questions. Uh, that was the case with Hans Kammler, the, the hidden Nazi that we write about. That, of course, was the case with Adolf Hitler. And then, you know, complicating matters greatly are the fact that you have uh, an iron curtain that comes down at the end of the war, the Russian zone of occupation. Uh, Russia occupied a lot of territory um, in, in eastern Germany and elsewhere, in East Berlin as well, and they didn't share information. They didn't share documents. They didn't share stories. So, uh, you know, everything that Germany was doing uh, in, in what became the Russian zone of occupation, we never really had uh, clear, uh, a clear window into what the Germans were doing, including Hitler's death. That was all, you know, discovered by uh, the Russians and, uh, you know, to the extent that there were investigations headed up by the Russians. So, you know, you, it's fair to raise questions there, I'd say. Uh, I do. I mean, personally, I think Hitler committed suicide, um, and I think that's where the Hitler story ends. Having said that, it's easy to believe Kamler committed suicide, but I know he did not. We have U.S. government documents uh, that show he surrendered to the U.S. Army after his alleged suicide. No, I hear you. I hear you. And, you know, it's it's one of those things um, where – I, you know, I, I really don't like how the government lies to us. I don't like how they cover things up, you know, and I, like I said, I'm not somebody to believe in conspiracy theories, but I just want honesty and transparency. And I think there's so many times in our history where we've been misled or the facts have been fabricated or, you know, we're just not getting the full, full details. How, and, and I know this might be a weird question, but in the near future, how do we, how do we hold certain people in government accountable? How do we get to the higher-ups? How do we make sure that we're being fed the truth? I know Trump is doing a lot of great things right now in exposing the swamp, exposing the deep state, but I, I would just love a world and a universe where there's no hidden facts. You know what I mean? I, I think everybody would love that. Um, but it, it sort of goes back to the notion that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So uh, the best way to keep people accountable is through uh, Republican Democratic elections and yeah. um, the separation of powers. Uh, uh, that is the, that's the beautiful thing about our Constitution, the fact that it divides the legislative power and the judicial power and the executive power and, and assigns it exclusively to different departments so that no uh, one person or one group of people can exercise those different species of power. Um, having said that, uh, the federal government, I think, is bigger and more powerful than the founders ever envisioned. Um, so, you know, I would love to see heightened awareness of that among the citizenry and some some attempt to pare back federal power. No, I I agree. I agree. And I just I want to ask you, you know, and I know you you've been around a while and you've seen a lot of different presidents. How would you give overall Trump's uh, 
uh, great for, for the way he's kind of conducted himself and all the all the accomplishments. Well, speaking as an individual, I think Trump has been successful in terms of uh, appointing federal judges. Uh, I think he's been successful in terms of uh, rolling back and trying to constrain the administrative state, looking at a, a regulatory reform regime. Uh, and I think he was successful with his uh, tax reform. And I think all of that combined leads to a, a brighter economy. I mean, we have uh, – the numbers don't lie. We have record low unemployment, and that's across um, you know, all uh, socioeconomic strata. And we have record wage gains. So, um, you know, I, I, I talk to people outside Washington all the time, and I ask them these questions. And there seems to be a, a growing consensus that whether you like him or not, he's doing what he promised he would do. Uh, so, yeah. um, speaking as an individual, I, I think he's had great success. Yeah, and I talk about this on my show all the time. You know, he's delivered on 80% of his promises within three years, 80% within three years. And I, I've been following him ever since he walked down the escalator. I've been an, a, 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 just a huge, avid, over-the-top fan. Like, I think he is something straight out of the Bible. And you know what? I, I also say most presidents don't even deliver on 10% of their promises after eight years. This president has delivered on 80 within three years. 80%. It's unreal. I've never seen anything like it. it. It's something that is out of a movie. I mean, and this is why I believe the establishment is so, why they're going so crazy, why everybody in Washington wants to get rid of him. They're terrified of it. He's not controlled. Right. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. And if you look back to the predictions uh, about a Trump election, it was going to be uh, the immediate collapse of the economy, uh, and we'd be at right. war with, uh, you know, Iran or North Korea or China. Uh, you know, it'd be complete calamity, and uh, none of that's come to pass. In fact, as you suggest, he's had really good success. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you what, I, you know, it's, it just really goes to show what we've been missing for the longest time. And, and I know, I know you got to take off here in a second and I, and I do got to uh, get to the next person, but I want to ask you before you go, what do you make of this whole impeachment nonsense? How do you see it? I mean, obviously I think most of us know how it's going to end. Uh, it's going to end with an acquittal. Uh, you know, it's basically going to only backfire on the Democrats. We saw how popular Bill Clinton became after they tried to impeach him back then the Democrats won back the house. And I think the Republicans are going to win back the House uh, this time around, and I think they're going to get more seats in the Senate. What about your thoughts? I think I think it's going to end exactly as you predicted. I think that's what most people think. I don't think there's any surprise there. I, I, I would add to what you said that I think both sides are going to claim victory, uh, and it will be sorted out at the ballot box. Um, I think both sides are going to claim that this is going to you know, put wind in their sails when it comes to the ballot box. Um, I'm I'm terrible at that sort of political analysis, so I wouldn't venture a guess as to who's going to come out uh, the winner here. But one interesting observation I do have, uh, I think it's interesting as a lawyer, uh, you see on one side um, the claim that um, on, uh, by the Democrats that there's not going to be a fair trial. Um, and they keep repeating that uh, as a mantra. Um, but in my experience uh, as a lawyer and all, all my years in government and elsewhere, a, a fair trial is something that a defendant's entitled to. The prosecutors aren't entitled to a fair trial. 
that's not where the expression arises and gets used most often. It's usually about the defendant's rights. So it's interesting that they've sort of turned that thinking, that, uh, that matrix on its head uh, for, their, uh, for their rhetoric. Right. No, I, I hear you. Absolutely. Very well said. And uh, Dean, tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get your book, all that good stuff. You can find me online uh, at the Federal Society or through my publisher, Regnery History, if you want to be in touch. Uh, the book is available in bookstores everywhere, my most recent book, all three of them, frankly, um, uh, uh, and on Amazon and Barnes & Noble online, all the online outlets. The, the Hidden Nazi is the current book, and uh, that's the one I'm most excited about uh, at the present time. It tells a spectacular yeah, story, so I think. Well, yeah. Well, no, I, no, and I, I, I think everything you're doing is fantastic. I really loved having you on the show, and I want to get you back soon. And thank you for coming on. Good to be with you, Rory. Thanks. All right. You have a great night, sir. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. All righty. Everybody, got a, got a lot going on right now. Got a lot of people coming on. First of all, I'm going to introduce uh, Nick Gladden, who's running for Congress in Maryland. And after, we'll be having U.S. Congress candidate from Arizona, Brandon Martin. So a lot, lot coming up on the Rory Sauter Show. But with us now, we have U.S. Congressional Candidate from Maryland, Nick Gladden. Nick, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Hey, buddy. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Your first time on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Nick Gladden. I'm 31, and I'm running for Congressional District 8 of Maryland. Um, you know, So we're doing that. We're going to go up against Jamie Raskin. As of right now, I'm leading the polls in all the primaries. All the primary. Nice. So, yes, thank you for that. Uh, so it looks like we're going to go ahead and get the nomination from the Republican Party, and uh, we're going to go into training all next week for uh, candidate training with the GOP. So it's moving kind of quick, and we're doing lots of stuff, you know, lots of interviews. We're getting name out there, and we're going to start knocking on doors very soon. So a lot of stuff going on with the campaign, very busy, and I'm happy to be on your show today. Well, man, I, well, I love having you here. And, and tell us a little bit about your, your background, your early life, you know, how you, how, where it started for you and how you got into politics. Um, so basically, uh, I started a uh, middle-class family. Dad was a warehouse worker. Mom was a uh, waitress. So, of course, what did I do? I worked in a warehouse for a little bit. <laughs> and then I realized, you know what, that's probably not the best for me. So I started, uh, went to college, got into uh, uh, project management. Worked in construction for a little bit. Well, not a little bit, a couple of years actually. So, and then I seen kind of how everything was working there and, you know, where all the workers were coming from and how everything was moving. And I didn't really like the aspect and how everything was going. So I went ahead and uh, I got a job with the federal government as a project manager with uh, DHS uh, and GSA, kind of overviewing everything, you know. So, and I don't really want to talk about that too much because, you know, I'm still working there and, you know, with security clearances and all that. But basically, uh, I oversee essential equipment for a Department of Homeland Security, um, providing overview, you know, and, you know, readiness and overviewing contract, you know, all that assortment of things. So, obviously, it's just a lot of work, but... Um, basically what got me into politics was just seeing how the government has started to turn over the past couple of years. Uh, I was a long-term Democrat. I voted for Obama, and his 
his policies actually turned me off and away from the Democratic Party. And then Donald Trump came, and I was like, you know what? Let me see what's going on here. Watched him. I watched his rise. And then once his first term, first year, I was like, that's it. That's the party for me. <laughs> and I joined the Republican Party. And then over the years, over the past two years, seeing that blatant tax on him and just seeing how the media is now, it, it made me want to run. And that's why I'm running for District 8 because <clears throat> we have a constitutional lawyer right now, Jamie Raskin's in office, and yet he's stopping all over the Constitution. You know, he, he wants to take away uh, two-way protections, Second Amendment rights, I mean. And, you know, he wants open borders. He said it many of times, and he, and he actually got uh, in local government where legal, illegal aliens can vote for local um, elections, which is out of my mind. It's, it's crazy to even think about. But that's basically why I started to run and where I'm wanted to head in the future. Yeah, he, you know, I know exactly who you're talking about. He's a real scumbag, Jamie Raskin. I, I can't stand the guy. I just saw him on TV the other day, and he's just, he's a pompous, ignorant scumbag, if you ask me. I mean, the guy, you know, has, has no respect, in my opinion, for, for for the people. I mean, he's he's out for his own self-interest. He's, you know, and he's the typical definition of a politician. So it sounds like you're exactly. leading and you're doing very well in the polls. Are, are a lot of people fed up with that guy? Is he getting a lot of backlash for some of his antics and some of the things that he's put forth in legislation? Because I know Trump uh, months ago exposed Baltimore and Maryland for what, the, what they put their people through. You're 100% right. You know, I'm getting calls every day about how fed up they are and how, how Jamie Rockins, he's not even campaigning in his district this year. He's not even worried about it. He's just assuming that everybody's going to vote for him because how gerrymandered the district is. He, he doesn't even uh, campaign. He doesn't even care about his district. The two counties that he represents, he hasn't even been to in the past two years. So he only focuses on D.C. politics and his own campaign to uh, elevate his uh, um, level in the Democratic Party. That's what he wants in you know. It's it's outrageous to even think that we have this guy in office who doesn't even represent us. You know, he he's there for himself. He's there for pretty pretty much just DC politics, and that's it. He he doesn't represent half his district. It, it's outrageous that we're even talking about this guy, and he's still in office. And he's a career politician. He's he was first in um, Maryland politics, and then two terms ago he made it into uh, federal politics, which is outrageous. No, I, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, you know, how these people laugh, it's, 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 it's mind-blowing. Um, and it's sick. I mean, it, what, they, what they get away with is taking advantage of people. And, um, you know, obviously you're getting a lot of great, great feedback and, and a lot of great responses, and a lot of people are seeing, you know, what they've been missing. And so – so it looks like it sounds like you're going to get the nominee. So what what do you face in the general election? What are the polls looking like uh, versus him right now? Um, right now, there it's it's about uh, he last election he got uh, 179 thousand votes. Uh, the other uh, Republican uh, nominee got um, I think 100 and 
35. So we we got some work to do. We need to flip about 40,000 voters or 30,000, so give or take. But as of right now, we're seeing it that we're seeing an intake in uh, votes from the Democratic Party, well, Democrats, not Democratic Party, from Democrats in the northern uh, the northern counties. So we think we're going to be able to flip it as long as we can flip another 20,000 votes down uh, in Montgomery County. So it's looking like it's going to be a little bit of work, but, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. So speak speak on this gerrymandering issue because voter fraud and gerrymandering, you know, the left always likes to blame Republicans for gerrymandering. But in reality, it's just like everything the left – when the left blames somebody for something, it's what they're actually guilty of. So speak on that. It sounds like it's a problem in Maryland. Okay. Oh, it's a huge problem in Maryland. If you <laughs> you could just see the con- con- the congressional district here in Maryland, it looks like a, um, a Ro- Rorschach test. <laughs> They're all over the place. So basically, we have my district. It's it's half of it's a half of Montgomery County. Basically, it's half of DC, all the way up to the Pennsylvania line. And so what they did was they took two big counties. That were Republican, that was Republican, and then they added a city into it, which is Silver Spring in Montgomery County, what had more uh, more voters than both of the two counties, even though the counties are bigger. They've cut it up in certain ways to where the cities are in with the smaller counties, so it eliminates people's vote pretty much. And, how, and what do you just how everything is talking? Huh, sure, good. No, you go ahead. Sorry. So basically how everything's structured is they're taking the larger uh, counties that are more open and spread out and then adding a city into it just to um, take away people's vote from northern counties. Right. Jesus Christ. And So let me ask you this. What do you see um, as the three main problems facing where your, where your district is and what you would change? Three main problems. Uh, first off, right now we're going through uh, a lot of Second, second Amendment uh, sanctuary cities here in Maryland. A lot of a lot of uh, the counties are trying to save the Second Amendment by becoming sanctuary right. cities for Second Amendment. And then uh, the, third, the second is uh, illegal immigration. Down in Montgomery County, where I'm running, uh, this year there's been over 15 murders. Uh, uh, 30 um, rape cases, all from illegal aliens, that we're having a huge issue. Actually, Montgomery County was a sanctuary city, and so and all these problems started uh, arising, and so then they backtracked on that. So now they're not a sanctuary city, so they work with ICE a little bit, but the problem is there now. You know, they they put it out that they were a sanctuary city, and now we have explosion of crime. It 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 quadrupled within one year, and it's astronomical as of right now. And the third problem is, of course, the gerrymandering and how we can fix that and vote. Hello? Sorry, can you hear me? Sorry, I dropped off there for a second. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and the third problem is the gerrymandering, how we can vote to change that. And basically, what... If we can't do that on a federal level, we'll have to look at it at a state level and getting all the people behind it. You know, it, it just can't be Republicans 
It has to be the Democrats. It has to be everybody. Everybody's vote matters. So if we if we take away the gerrymandering, everybody's vote will actually matter once again. But as of right now, if you look at Maryland's map, it is outrageous. You can't you can't decide an election with only using cities to talk for everybody. It it won't work. No, I hear you. I hear you, man. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but I, lo- I love having you on. we got to get you back soon. But tell everybody where they can get involved with the campaign, connect with you, all that good stuff. Yep. Uh, so you can find me on Facebook at, at Backplace Gladden for Congress. You can find my website at gladdenforcongress.com. And I'm on Twitter at Marilyn Nick G. And I appreciate you for having me on, and thanks for taking the time. Absolutely, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you, buddy. All righty. Take care. I want to introduce to the show now, I believe he's with us, we have U.S. congressional candidate from Arizona, Brandon Martin. Brandon, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Rory. Thanks. How are you doing? Doing very well, my friend. First time on. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Again, I'm Brandon Martin. I'm running for the U.S. House of Representatives in Arizona 2nd District. We are the southern border. Uh, we have the we are the front line ground zero uh, for the illegal immigration crisis. So what I want to do is I want to run for the people and be accountable to the people. And that is something that we haven't had in Washington for a very long time. And I think that's why people find President Trump so refreshing is because promises made, promises kept. And so my campaign, we've taken a different approach. We have a contract with CD2. I've outlined some things that my campaign and my term in office would be like. So we tell people that here's how we would run our office. Here's how we keep accountable to the people in the district. Here are some bills that are currently proposed that we would support if in office already. And and then finally, some issues that we would put forward when elected. Amen, brother. Amen. I love it. I love it. So tell everybody, that people that don't know, I mean, I live in Arizona, love it, um, and it's a great state. And, uh, what districts does, what, what areas does your district cover? So we're down in the southeast corner of the state. It's all of Cochise County. Uh, many people around the country are definitely familiar with Tombstone. Tombstone is yep, right in course. the heart of Cochise County. Uh, and then we also have a part of Pima County. It's the eastern and northern parts of Tucson. And then dips down, and we have Green Valley, Sarita, uh, also in the district. Well, yeah, man, you're right there. I mean, you're right there. You're right there by the border. I mean, you're exactly that's that's you know, and it's a huge problem right now with the, with the illegal immigration. And I'm sure you have a a huge plan to combat that and, and fight it, and you know, kind of you know get get rid of it. I mean, it's bad, especially with a lot of our local politicians. You know, it's been piled up and. It's been this epidemic for all these years, and it's just uh, it just keeps growing. And I know a lot of it's been it's been diminishing, and, and slowly, uh, you know, it's slowly. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it, it, it's it's going down and down. I mean, in terms of the numbers, but it's still. I mean, it's still there. It's still a problem. We still face it every day. These people are coming across. These people are breaking our laws. And these people, you know, have this sense of entitlement. Scary stuff. Oh, Roy, it's not, it's not hard. The answers are already there. Uh, you look what President Trump has done, putting pressure on Mexico to be more involved in the process. Mexico just stopped a caravan uh, coming up from South America. Uh, they stopped them at their southern border. And that is 
that is being very, very effective in stemming the flow of illegal immigrants. Also, uh, we have a very good sheriff here in Cochise County and Mark Daniels, and he has been working with other local stakeholders, and they have put in practice good measures to combat illegal immigration and illegal border crossings and crime. So really what it is is, number one, you have to enforce the laws that are on the book. First, enforce the laws that are on the book. And then after that, you look at the different measures that are coming that, you know, affect people coming across. We have to improve our ports of entry. Our ports of entry, they get too congested. The, the drug cartels, they take advantage of it. And so we've got to look at our ports of entry. We've got to modernize. And that's, that process is underway, but it needs, to be, it needs to be done quicker and better. And it needs uh, all the stakeholders involved on board. So we need to get that done. And then looking into more of the immigration issues itself, you know, President Trump's always talked about the bad guys, right? I mean, we yeah. want to have safe neighborhoods here in America, and, you know, we deserve that. So we can't have sanctuary cities. We can't have local communities undermining uh, the, the Constitution and the job that Congress has in controlling immigration. So it's it's going to take a lot of a lot of different players being involved, but that's why elections are so important. Right now, you see what President Trump's doing. You see how he's been slowed down by this Democrat Congress. You see the steps even before he was elected, when he was a candidate, the spying, the dossier, all the way through now to this impeachment sham. If if you get out and you care about the illegal immigration issues, you care about putting America first. Go out, vote for candidates. They're going to work for you and get the job done. I love it. I love it. And, you know, a big problem in Arizona, and, you know, just like with uh, what I was talking with Nick about, the previous guest in, in Maryland, you know, uh, voter fraud. I mean, you know, we see how easy it is for these Democratic candidates to get these illegals across the border to vote for them. And uh, we all know why the Democrats keep pushing for stuff like amnesty. It's, it's all political. It's all a political pawn, and it, it, it needs to stop. You know, we need to really tackle the issue of voter fraud, especially in states like this. Well, voter fraud is is very real. It's out there. Um, yeah. And that's just – that's citizens – look, we have a part in self-governance. We need people who right. are involved, who are paying attention, and it's not going to get better until we get everyone involved. The people are the answer. That's why it's – you know, people like to say we the people. They like to say it's our government. Well, it's your government if you pay attention to it. Otherwise, it's this out-of-control machine that gets you mad every five minutes when you turn on the TV. You actually, the citizen, we have a part to play in that, and we've got to – we have to be the boss. We have to be the managers and make sure that it's running the way it should. Absolutely, and you know what really bothers me is, you know – these governors, you know, it was just announced recently around the United States, and, you know, Governor Ducey, he's done some good things, but he's also been, he's had a lot of issues. Uh, we see how he's pushing amnesty, how he's pushing getting more cheap workers coming in. I mean, there's certain things that he's done that is against the America First agenda. We need to, how do we stop these rhinos? How do we get, an, it's so bad for our country. I get the cheap labor. I get it. I understand the People want to profit as much as possible in their businesses, but come on, it's taking away from the American worker. Again, it's it's all about self-governance. It's all about education, yeah. and I don't want to be the dead right. horse, but 
you know, if right. if you don't like the rhinos in office, you don't like the the people trying to bring in cheap labor, you don't like red flag laws, you yeah. don't like all these things that are happening, uh, the right. the refugee resettlements, all these things, you have to get involved. I mean, that's that's plain yeah. and simple. You have to get involved, even if you can't um, if you can't donate, if you can't do whatever. Find a way to get involved. Can you go walk a neighborhood? Can you go door to door, talk to 125 people? Can you get people motivated to be educated and involved in the process? There's something that you can do, even if you don't have the financial means. And if you do have the financial means, go out, find some really good candidates that you support, and donate a little bit of money. You know, if if you can save a hundred dollars and give, you know, break that up into five dollar donations and give some really good candidates all five dollar donations, it helps. Every little bit helps. Absolutely. One, 100 percent. And, you know, I want to ask you, you know, in, in your district, what are the three main problems and things that you would fix on day one? What, what do you see as the, the biggest threats? Well, so number one we've already talked about is definitely border security, the immigration problem. Right. That's number one. Uh, past that, we have a large, a large veteran population here. Uh, we have, in, in my district alone, we have Fort Huachuca and we have Davis Mountain Air Force Base. So uh, the military, the strategic mission is very important in what we see here in this district. So two, our military, our national security, and then down from that is taking care of our veterans, making sure that the, we are taking care of those people who went and fought for our freedoms. So that's number two. And then private property rights in Arizona. Um, you know, it's, there's always a creeping of an, an infringement on rights by the federal government, whether it's Second Amendment or private property rights, whatever it is. Um, it seems like more and more each year the government is, is trying to infringe on our rights. So private property rights are a huge issue here. And, um, you know, the economy, right, the economy, Trump has done great. President Trump has done absolutely a great job. Uh, we see that in the yeah. numbers. But for some reason, in this area of Arizona, down here in southeastern Arizona, we're not seeing the type of results that other places in America are seeing. So really what has to happen is we have to get more involved, and that's what, when my, when elected, what I would do is I would hold different town halls, whatever you want to call them, around the district, educate people on what bills are currently out there, why we vote on things, how this fits in line with the Constitution, and everything like that and educate people and get them involved in the process because that's the only way you're going to stop that infringement. And, and we shouldn't have to wait. Look, I, I love what those people in Virginia did. I love that when the, the Virginia government was threatening to take away um, and infringe on their rights that they marched and they had that rally, but it shouldn't have to get there. If we, if we were involved, it would never get to that point because there would never be a politician like that trying to take away your rights. Very well said. Absolutely. Uh, Brandon, I love having you on here. I want to get you back on soon. Uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you, get involved with the campaign, all that good stuff. Thank you. And Brandon Martin for Congress.com. Brandon Martin for Congress.com. That's F O R. Follow us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, if you live in, in the district, please reach out, send us an email, get involved. And, and we have a, we have a concert coming up this Saturday, February 1st in Sierra Vista. Uh, go to the website, check that out. We have some very generous donors. Every seat has been sponsored. So come on down. I'm going to talk a little bit about the platform, how we move forward, how we make CD2 great again, 
And then we're going to have some music. We have a young country singer from Nashville, uh, Trey Taylor, coming down. He's going to be putting on a good show. So it's just going to be a good time. And this is, this is the start. This is how you get involved. This is how you win back the district and take back Congress. So thank you very much, Rory, for having me on. I look forward to being on sometime again in the future. Absolutely, Brandon. Real pleasure. Thank you so much, sir. Take care. I do, I do want to welcome Thank you. I do want to welcome to the show. I believe we have with us, we have radio talk show host, uh, Jim Price. Jim, how are you, buddy? Doing good, sir. Doing good. It's a great show. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, there's so many hot topics you guys are touching on tonight. I don't even know where to start. We talked about immigration just a second ago with your last caller running in that yes. southern district of Arizona where really you're talking about the unmanned fence, the unprotected border where – we have people just pouring across our borders, and we don't even realize who they are. Nobody in the world would leave their front door open and just let people wildly walk in and out of their house, but we're going to do that on our southern border, and that's a real a real subject we have to think about constantly. On top of that, the fact that we had over a million refugees that were brought in just from strictly Muslim countries through Obama during his eight years, when we got refugees that walk out of jails every day who need our help, but yet we're going to bring millions from other third world countries that don't know America, that don't have the education, don't have the background that we need them to have. I mean, there's so many topics just in those, that last little bit what that guy had there. But yet at the same time, we got people like Omar and, and AOC and all oh, Tlaib all up there running their mouth about how they're anti-America. And we've got guys like this who understand that at the border, what it's really like to have to stand up to be a real American He's at the front line. He's understanding what's going on. We have to get engaged. Just because I'm in Kansas doesn't mean that it doesn't affect me. His vote's going to affect me. How he sees the project of America affects me, and I, we all have to support those kind of guys along with the guys that are in Michigan and Florida. I mean, everywhere else across the nation, we have to get involved. And like you said, hey, you got an extra 100 bucks? Split it up. Get out there and be part of something. Make sure that this is the time everybody steps up because we have people in our own country that need our help, but yet we have people that are in Congress who are paying them $180,000 a year to vote against us. We're giving them the privilege of voting against us, and we're paying for it. We're asking them to do this, and no one's paying attention. We have to wake up as Americans. We have to wake up and realize that this is right in front of our face. AOC is not hiding this. Omar is not hiding this. Tlaib is not hiding this. They're saying it right on camera and doubling down. It's one of the greatest times we've ever lived in, Roy. Think about this right now. The Democrats are finally taking the mask off. They're finally telling you who they really are, and there's still so many people that want to believe that they're just good people, that maybe they're misunderstood, but maybe it'll get better. And if we just give away more free crap, we'll all get along. What utopia – what utopia is ever going to be created by giving people free crap? Isn't that what the pilgrims went through? Isn't that why we have Thanksgiving? Isn't that the reason that we live the way we do? Because we have holidays and we appreciate our past, but yet we want to tear down our monuments. We want to forget who we are, where we came from, and why the Constitution is where you start every legal argument, where you start every civil rights argument. You started at the Constitution, not the last emotional com conflict you had. That's why we're where we are. We have a, an entire generation of kids who were never told no and asked what they want for dinner at three years old. That's not, that's not what we should be doing for our kids. The best way to parent is teach your kids how to understand no 
and let them understand what it's like to, where they have to be a part of a family and part of a society, that they're not just going to wildly just get to pick and choose and have the participation ribbons given to them. We have to get involved, America, because this is the last. We've got, a light, we've got this huge shining light on the top of the hill. Why aren't we polishing that? Why aren't we doubling down on our own people, on, on the people who walk out of a jail cell, who walk out of a courtroom, who walk out of a hospital, who walk out of the Army or the Marines or the Navy or the Coast Guard or the Air Force, who need our help, but we walk away? It's that 10% extra effort, and that's what this election is going to be about here coming up really soon where we have a real problem on our hands. That's that little bit of extra effort. Get involved in a local, uh, local political event. Get involved in your city council. Get involved in your, your county council. You have to get involved. If you don't, then ding-dongs like AOC are going to be up there telling you how to run your life when she doesn't know what a garbage disposal is. Think about that. This woman doesn't understand how to make macaroni and cheese without setting a timer, and she's telling me that she's going to reinvent the whole new green deal. She's going to invent a new t- uh, type of currency. She's going to reinvent how we build our buildings. This chick doesn't understand how to make macaroni and cheese, but I've been in building for 30 years, and suddenly she's going to tell me how to do it? That's where we got this wrong. We don't have leaders. It's just whose turn is it? The leaders have got to step up, the men of this country and the women of this country who are strong leaders, who have the actual guts to stand up to what's wrong, just like Trump did. He bothered to come down off his golden tower. Why aren't we willing to step out our front door and knock a few doors, give a few bucks, and get involved? We are in the precipice. We have too much going on right now, and this can't be lost. Venezuela voted away private ownership of guns in 2012, and look at where they are today. Just last year, their people were being ran over by, being ran over by their own military in the streets. This is a real thing. They have, they have these little uh, black ops groups that go around and do uh, assassinations for the government. This is in Venezuela, just down the street from us. It's not that far away. It's not, a, it's not around over there in that sandy part of the world. It's just south of us. This can happen to us now, and this whole democratic socialist crap where we're going to vote ourselves in, we're not paying attention. That's the problem. We keep thinking that it's going to get better, it's going to get better, but you guys realize that in most cities, only 10% of the entire city will vote in a new city council. Only 10% right. will vote in a congressman. And yet we're not bothering to get engaged. That doesn't piss you off enough to get off your ass and go to the polls. Lazy Republicans who sit around and do nothing vote in Democrats who are willing to cry their way and manipulate their way and give away free lunches to get in. That's the difference. We have to get up there and be a different people. Smaller government is the answer. I'm telling you right now, look at everything we've ever done right. in this country. Look what's making it worse. The bigger the government gets, the more we don't understand sure. it. And Roy, you said something earlier about conspiracy theory. I'm going to let you know right now I'm in the middle of a legal battle in my own personal life that once it comes to light, the conspiracy theory, the level it ha- has gone to with the different parts yeah. of the government, my city, council, and state, the things that have gone on because I was a, I was a political target. I was targeted politically, and I'm fighting a legal battle because they were willing to destroy me and disparage me at any cost. And I'm going to tell you, it's hard for me to watch TV anymore and then look at what they bother to drip to us. Roy, right. they're not telling yep. us uh, 1% of what they're really doing and the crap they're it's doing true. behind the scenes it's true. at the sake it's of protecting Jim. us. Go ahead. Yeah, it's all, it's all a dist- Jim, it's all a distraction. You're absolutely right. 
Jim, I want to I wanna talk with you a lot more. There's a lot more that needs to be said. I'm going to have you on yeah. the next episode. Um, and I'm cool. sorry we ran short, we ran late tonight and everything was so crammed <laughs> in, but tell everybody where no they worries. can find you, connect with you, all that good stuff. Well, uh, Twitter is uh, The Jim Price Show, and Facebook is The Jim Price Show, and YouTube is The Jim Price Show, and iTunes is The Jim Price Show. Those are the four easiest platforms to find me on. Uh, look me up. Look at my episodes. Uh, get on Patreon to help support this, the show. I do have a uh, merch uh, website, the No Coast Surf Shop. Uh, it's got uh, we are pa- we, uh, I, we stand with all Patriot uh, memorabilia, coffee mugs, uh, keychains, T-shirts, everything you can think of. So look us up, Perfect. the Jim Price Show. We're out there. So thank you so much, my friend. Uh, we'll definitely have you back the next episode. A lot more to discuss. Um, Very good, sir. Thank you. Michael, yeah, absolutely. Michael Volsky, go ahead. Thanks, Lloyd. You know, Todd touched on something, and uh, he was kind of thinking like me. Uh, keep an eye on Bolton. Uh, this, this manuscript was uh, altered or doctored uh, to the convenience of the, uh, of the opposing party. Uh, there's, there's a chance this thing could uh, bring some really, really interesting news. So, uh We'll keep an eye on that. I don't think it's going to be quite as bad as what it appears. The other thing is I see Nadler wants to subpoena John Kelly, and again, it could work out against them. They're not only going to get hit with people that probably are going to speak well of Trump, but they're going to get stuck with witnesses they sure as heck don't want testifying. So with that, I know you're running short of time. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. You have a great show with great guests. It's so informative. I enjoy listening. Uh, I enjoy being here. Thank you very much. You can reach me at Michael Volsky on Twitter. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. Um, we'll, we'll see it. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Okay. Um, and, and, and Michael, where can everybody find you? Say real quick on Twitter. Uh, Michael Volsky, V-A-L-S-I uh, on Twitter. I'll answer DMs. If you want to talk that way, that's fine. Thank you. Perfect. Uh, Todd McKinley, go ahead. Yeah, hey Roy, I just want to echo what Brandon said. You know, uh, you know, if you have five dollars to throw around, every little bit helps. Uh, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Todd for House, T O D D, the number four H O U S C. And again, the website's the same thing. It's uh, ToddForHouse.com, T O D D, the number four H O U S C dot com. And on there, you can look at my platform. And of course, you can, uh, you know, you can go in and donate as well. Uh, you know, we're we're getting close to uh, to the point where we can actually launch a real uh, campaign and be uh, competitive in this open seat uh, primary. Uh, it's a safe Republican district, so you know, if you want somebody with common sense, conservative values, who's going to go up there and fight for the people, not just the people of the first district. The people of this entire country, uh, people are going to go up there and back up President Trump and uh, make sure that we put America first and keep America great. Uh, I'm your guy. Uh, so by all means, you know, I'd love to have everybody support and uh, have, have your prayers, and we'll move forward from there. Absolutely, my friend. Thank you. Always a pleasure. God bless. Um, I'll go to Mike Peters in New York. I'll give you the last statement, then I'm going to end the show. But Mike Peters, go ahead. Well, one thing that, uh, once again, thanks for – Thanks for everything. The shows have been fantastic. You're doing a great job, Rory. And well, one thing I did want to bring up is I don't think everybody in the Senate, I don't think they've overlooked the fact that Amazon right now, they listed Bolton's book. And it's, I looked at it, I'm looking at it right now. It's a number one bestseller. You can pre-order this book. It hasn't even come out. It said it'll be available on March 17th. But if you order it right now and they, 
give you a discounted price, and it's selling like crazy. So he's going to make a lot of money off this. This was planned. It's obvious that what's going on here. So he's getting a chance to throw his harpoon and make a lot of money. He's set for the rest of his life right now. Even if he doesn't testify or anything happens out of it, he's making a lot of money from this book. And that's the name of the game today. It's all a game. And people recognize it. So he's not fooling everybody. Some, maybe. Not all of us. Anyways, have a great night, and thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, Mike. Always a pleasure. Um, Everybody, it's been a fantastic show tonight. I want to thank all of you. Uh, We have another big show on Thursday, and I will see you then. Until then, I'm Rory Sauter. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.